welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today I'm talking to Manny Onicle once again. Manny, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I had Manny on this podcast just about a month ago, but things are changing very quickly in the esports world these days. And I thought it was time to have him back on. And our last podcast covered sports on broadcast television, esports on broadcast television, and that's really exploded in the month since. So we're going to be looking at some of the viewership numbers and what insights we can take away from what we've seen over an unprecedented last month in esports on broadcast TV. So quick, some background on Manny. He's had executive roles at Xbox, EA, Major League Gaming, and other esports and gaming companies. Now he runs the Next Level Media in your browser as tnl.media, and I'll link it below as well. If you enjoy this podcast, you'll likely enjoy his content as well. You could also follow him on Twitter at Manny Onicle. So we talked a month ago. How have things been for you since then? It's been great. You know, things have been rapidly changing. You talked about there's been a lot more esports action on linear TV, uh, a lot more viewership we've seen across the board, across all the streaming platforms. Um, all of the ISPs and technology companies are reporting uh, vast increases in gaming across the board whether it's gaming streaming or gaming consumption or gaming downloads. So, you know, for us in the space, you know, with considering everything that's going on, um, there is some positivity for those working in gaming and esports right now. Yeah, as this a month has approached the end and it's April 29th as we record this, I've gotten a bunch of emails today about just rapid increase in content. I think I got one from Activision Blizzard and I got one from the score today just with these insane increases and we've seen it from the lec and a bunch of esports broadcasts as well you know everyone's stuck at home and so viewership is way way up almost entirely across the board and it's really interesting to look at the broadcast numbers because some esports have done very well and some have not really translated despite everybody being stuck at home they haven't really gained a lot of viewers. You know, it has been a little bit of all over the place. I think one bright spot has been iRacing. You're seeing some of those numbers on the Sunday broadcast of both Fox and Fox Sports 1 combined, hitting about a million viewers this past week. Got 1.3, uh, about almost 1.3 million viewers as well for the Talladega race. So it's doing it's doing extremely well you know, for those networks. And if you look at the numbers, you know, because right now there's no content on a lot of uh, companies that are relying on sports content, such as the ESPNs and the Foxes of the world, and putting on replays and esports, especially iRacing, has been beating that pretty consistently for some of the major replays that have happened. So that's performing really well. But you know, some haven't performed really well. You know, some of the kind of the more soccer and sports ones, kind of like EMLS and even Rocket League, have performed some poorly, somewhat to a surprise. So it has been. you know a little bit all over the map yeah and i really want to dive into all of that so manny does this awesome deep dive on all the viewership numbers for basically every esports event or esports adjacent event that takes place on broadcast tv and we're i'm going to run over those real quick but first where are you getting these numbers from because it's you know it's branded for for next level media i know you you have some contacts with reuters is that where all these numbers, or not Reuters, with uh, Nielsen, is that where all these numbers come from? 
Yeah, I mean, these are all Nielsen numbers. Uh, I get them from a variety of sources. Some of them are publicly available TV rating sources. There are a couple of sports and media sites out there. Otherwise, you know, I have contacts with the uh, networks myself, as well as the game publishers myself. Uh, so I get those directly from, from there. So a mix of both. Absolutely. It's a really interesting look. So I'm just going to run over some numbers, but I'll also link his tweet for his most recent batch of numbers down below in case you want to pull it up as you listen to this broadcast just to provide some commentary on you know where we're at here top events like you said iRacing uh the absolute number one iRacing Texas 1.3 million viewers the next six or seven events all iRacing uh some on Fox and FS1 some on just FS1 hasn't mattered all the way down to 545,000 viewers then your next highest event is the ESPN NBA 2K Pro Tournament, which was the one that featured players, I do believe. That's correct. And that was had 387,000 viewers, a bunch of other NBA 2K Pro Tournaments being on different broadcasts, some on ESPN2, uh, going all the way down to 123,000 viewers. You also have a Madden event at 140,000 viewers in there. Uh, some more iRacing. E-League's Mortal Kombat, 168,000 viewers on TBS. Uh, NBA 2K, iRacing, NBA 2K, iRacing, Madden, and then you have Rocket League down here at 95,000 viewers, and the F1 Esports Pro Series at 89,000 viewers, and EMLS at a really surprising 34,000 viewers. I was a little bit surprised by the EMLS numbers because it was on you know Sunday on Fox Sports 1 where they've been doing relatively well in the esports space. It was a mix of pros as well as you know esports pros in the space that have you know done relatively well that have built up decent followings you know for their FIFA careers. So it was a big surprise. I mean Sunday is a crowded calendar, um, but I'm surprised to see why those numbers did so low. I am looking into some of the other programs that he has problem with FIFA and those numbers should be higher, but that number was extremely low. I was shocked as well. I wrote an ad week article going in basically being very complimentary of this event. And uh, I liked the format, how they did it, where it's a EMLS player playing another EMLS player and then an MLS player from the same club playing another one. And they had pretty big stars, including Chikorito, uh, Kendall Waston, some players that are pretty big names in the MLS world. And it just really underperformed. They combine the two things into one leg and it's a mini tournament, which usually does better than like a random match. I was really surprised to see 34,000. Did it go up against The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan ESPN documentary? Um, I don't believe so. It was on earlier. Um, I don't have the time there, so I'm going to need to double check uh, when exactly it aired. But you know, the last day it did air a little bit later, you know, nine and ten p.m. on Sunday night. I don't appear. I don't believe it aired that late. Um, I believe it aired a bit earlier, um, so I don't think it went against that. But even even if it w did go against that, those numbers are still uh, relatively small. I would have expected at least north of a hundred thousand from that. So we'll see how uh, the other FIFA numbers uh, have done for EA once I'm able to upload those. Right, and you know the you could use uh, okay, it's on FS1 while most of these events are on ESPN. FS1's a smaller network, except iRacing exists, and iRacing has been broadcasting on FS1 on Sundays for over a month now, and again is leading is blowing every other esports event 
out of the water on broadcast TV. So you can't really attribute it to the network or the time slot necessarily when iRacing is sitting there at the very top and EMLS has a tiny, tiny fraction of what the iRacing events are getting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, iRacing has kind of fallen into this sweet spot right now, uh, which has two things going for it. One is that you have real racers actually competing. So these are actual pros that you would watch in regular NASCAR or whatever various racing events um, that are out there that you're interested in, you know, participating in these sim racing events. So that's one. And then two is that, you know, when you're watching a real event, you know, what translates into from a virtual or an esports event is exactly the same thing. You're watching, if you're watching NASCAR, you're watching a lot of cars go around and making left turns for a few hours and, you know, trying to win the race. And uh, that's relatively equivalent to what you watch, you know, on TV. And the camera angles are really well done. They now have professional commentators commenting on the match. And then you have a lot of great participation from pro riders. I think they're really, you know, taken on to this. Um, they're really just, you know, fun to watch. And it gives fans, you know, something to cling on to with such a dearth of, of sports content right now. So I think iRacing is really... Uh, taken off. I think they're probably going to be the best example of once things uh, quote unquote get back to normal and you're going to start to see sports back on TV, uh, and you're not going to see this amount of esports programming, you know, like it was currently. Um, but iRacing is probably the one that's going to benefit the most post COVID. You have to imagine. I mean, this is pretty insane viewership and viewership we've never seen on a broadcasted esports event uh and you know it's hard for fs1 to turn down hey, a million people are watching this sure that number is going to go down post covid and the drivers are going to have to go do some other stuff but it's clearly in their best interest to at least focus in on this because there's a demand for it and people are watching it you know the novelty is worn off at this point even if people the first couple weeks iRacing was quick to this and they adopted it and we're pumping out broadcasts we're like oh okay this is cool this is sports like like but now we're a month in and people are still watching it which shows that they actually really enjoy the product so i feel like it's of all the esports competitions we've seen it's the one most likely to continue post-covid probably still on fs1 uh yeah and probably i mean you're looking at uh formula one and other uh, like European NASCAR events being aired on BBC and Sky Sports in the UK and Europe. So you're seeing a lot of different uh, international viewership as well. Uh, some of the Formula One events that took taking place in like Bahrain and virtual Japan, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to see a lot of racing uh, get homes, at least for their content on international markets as well. But definitely, you know, I would bet on iRacing taking off. Um, everything post-COVID. I think also you're going to start seeing um, a lot of uh, different r racing programs incorporate sim racing um, into potentially the regular circuit uh, because it's a fun new addition and it kind of you know livens up something that's relatively old or has gotten to be a little bit old, um, especially when you have aging viewership. You know, the average viewer being in their 50s for NASCAR, you're bringing in a whole new audience. Uh, Nielsen released some numbers that said after the first two races, 
of the people that were actually watching the events, 25% of the audience had, didn't watch a NASCAR race last year. So you're bringing in a whole new audience that's relatively younger into the sport. So that's another angle and that's another uh, benefit uh, for those in the space. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, a, it's been a really big, it's hard to talk about positives that come out of the situation, but NASCAR <laughs> has to be stoked about it. Uh, like you said, an average audience to the 50s, that's pretty absurd for a sports league and is really a huge cause for concern going forward. And so anything they could do to bring in younger viewers is something they're absolutely going to capitalize on wherever they have that, that ability. Yeah, it says here they're 18 to 49 viewers, 355,000. So only a 27% uh, viewership rate in 18 to 49. So that means that even people 50 and up are still watching this. They're still enjoying these these competitive video games. Yeah, I mean, the majority of viewership is outside that like lower bracket of 18 to 49. So you're seeing, you know, you're seeing, uh, you know, that's the core NASCAR fan. You know, is is above the age of forty nine, and that's the average audience. So you're seeing those that are starved for content can say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and watch a virtual race, and that's why they're they've been drawing a million viewers uh, when you look at their combined viewership of both Fox uh, and Fox Sports One. Uh, so it's something that they can relate to, and it's something that's easy to pick up. And especially the key being here, you have the real pros racing as themselves you know at in the virtual races so i think that's so critical when you know during the week they're preparing for the races you know they're tweeting about it the sponsors are getting involved so they try to make it as real of a race as possible um so it's much different than tom brady playing madden or lebron playing 2k where it doesn't really translate to real life but when someone walks into a multi-thousand dollar racing rig you know it gets pretty close to uh simulating what a real race is going to be like right is that one one-to-one drivers playing as themselves not a ton of weird balance concerns that go into that not a ton of automated no uh cars being automated and computer controlled like you have in nba 2k where eight of the players on the court are controlled by a computer in at least the case of these pro tournaments in the NBA 2K league, they're all controlled by players. And that sort of brings up the next thing I want to talk to you about, which is this middle gap right under all the major iRacing events and above the dedicated esports events, you have this NBA 2K pro tournament. And at uh, the lowest broadcast had 123,000 viewers, the most watch 387,000. That's, pretty good for nba 2k i'd have to i'd have to guess the nba 2k league itself has been really struggling for viewership and averaged about eight or nine thousand uh last time i checked it was somewhere couldn't have been much higher than fifteen thousand if i'm if i'm undershooting uh, and they've really struggled to bring in viewers do you think there's anything the nba 2k league can learn from the relative success of these events yeah, you know, I think one thing that the NBA should have done is really integrate the 2K League more into that tournament um, and, and the vast amount of players and content that they can provide. I mean, now that the 2K League's, uh, 2K League is in year two, um, you know, they've done, you know, they've, they've grown a lot 
uh, since they first first started. And they could have done something where they could have taken the teams or some of the individual pros and teamed them up with the NBA uh, pro athletes as well. So I think there could have been uh, some crossover there. There could have been some learned opportunities. Uh, there could have been some more opportunities to potentially give you, you know, different angles or different camera feeds on Twitch versus, you know, digitally versus what you're seeing or YouTube versus what you're seeing on TV. So I think there could be some learnings from that. You know, the, the cool thing was that it was on both uh, the flagship ESPN and ESPN2. Uh, they showed it, you know, almost 10 times, you know, across across a week. So it got it got a lot of airtime air in the finals. You know, got got two hundred thousand, and two K definitely brings in a much younger audience than um, than than NASCAR does or iRacing does. As you can see, you know, while the two K tournament, uh, the top ones got in the three hundred thousands. You're getting an eighteen to forty nine audience in the seventy percent, sixty nine percent range. So. Uh, they're very happy with that, you know, brings in the audience they're looking for. So, um, you know, I think you're going to see potentially uh, more of that um, as the days go on. Yeah, and I guess it doesn't really fall on the NBA 2K League, uh, considering that they would love to have more player representation of the league. And in fact, it's been the other way, uh, talking to a couple people in the NBA 2K League, and the NBA sort of holds them at arm's reach. They... Not not necessarily arm's reach. They've obviously supported this league, but they've kept a clear divide in the branding of it's not the Portland Trailblazers, it's Blazer 5 Gaming, and they're not interchangeable. You can't call the NBA 2K League team the Blazers. And they've really tried to, you know, keep a very clear divide between okay, Damian Lillard is, you know, a player for the Portland Trailblazers, but he's not doing anything. He's not really promoting the Blazer 5 team, just using the example from my hometown. Uh, And I think that's something that really needs to change. This is the pro sports league that has the most notable stars, a ton of star power, a ton of celebrities. And to have all of them and then have the NBA 2K League use custom controlled players and not have the players really support the league. I mean, not even putting any of the 2K League players in this event. It's kind of still there's still a divide there and it's hard to imagine the nba 2k league being successful if the nba isn't willing to lend some of that star power over to the to the esports version yeah it's a good question and i think um i have a theory for that but you know the for since the inception of the 2k league um you know 2k sports the gaming publishers a lot more obviously it seems the nba has in terms of pushing the brand and the product that they're trying to create um and i the theory that i had is that they don't want the nba players or potentially the brand maybe to not get saturated by moving into other markets but potentially not overshadow uh the young players that are on the teams that are represented in the 2k league you know that's just a theory of mine that i have you know i'm not sure if that's the exact case but you know you wonder why they don't get promoted more the nba doesn't do the job of using potentially you know commercial time on tv what they have inside the arenas what they could do with the players in terms of crossover events they could do a lot more with it but you know they have been a little reticent to walk down that path and sort of walk hand in hand uh, with the 2K League. So it'll be interesting to see if that changes going forward. 
Right. I mean, in, in an ideal world, yeah, the NBA 2K League creates its own stars and people uh, love one wild walnut, the Blazers center, who's the league MVP the first year. And he grabs his own cult following and it's, you know, he becomes a true esports star. But unfortunately, that's just not quite how it's going to happen. And NBA 2K as an esport prior to the 2K League was not necessarily massive either. And so to really expect that, okay, yeah, it's NBA teams now, but is that going to to drive a ton of viewership and a ton of interest? Not necessarily. You got to use what the league already has built in to build this up. And the NBA being a very forward-thinking uh, sports league, one that has half the owners invested into esports in some way or another, at least half the owners, uh, it's kind of surprising to see them not put more of the league support, but I guess, yeah, to your point, they didn't want them to overshadow, uh, but, you know, having them be overshadowed is better than the league folding completely. Yeah, it looks seems to be like that, uh, if you look at some of the early days of hockey and where hockey esports is, it seems that the NHL teams are getting more involved. I mean, there isn't um, a hockey uh, pro league like there is a 2K league, but it just seems the teams are uh, excuse me, the teams are much more willing to support it, uh, provide their players access to it, uh, not have so excuse me, not have so much of the conflict that uh, potentially could arise in a 2K league. You saw most recently that competition with, uh, I believe it was he was on the Capitals versus Gretzky, and uh, it was a Twitch match, and it was. Uh, it got decent ratings, you know, for a one-on-one match that was just broadcast, you know, on Twitch and some other streaming platforms. Uh, but any hockey seems to be a little bit more open. So once those guys get going and growing, uh, we'll see what the interaction is with the, between the pro league and a potential esports league there. Yeah, hockey just jumped right into the goat playing a one-on-one match. Wait. Wade Gretzky, who's 60 years old, by the way, I was like, how did this, that was one of the ones, the emails hit my inbox and I was like, what? (laughs) They got Gretzky and Gretzky played a Vetchkin who's. Oh, it was a Vetchkin. That's right. I thought. And he, uh, Gretzky was leading to like the last couple of seconds when a Vetchkin tried to tie it up with like two seconds left. Do you have viewership data on that? That was on um, Twitch, though, right? It was. Uh, the numbers that I saw was, I think, uh, it, average viewership was something like 20,000 viewers. So not not too shabby. Not too shabby, honestly, yeah. for Twitch competing against Valorant and competing against all the other esports. Uh, yeah. you know, Twitch is not impacted nearly. It's not as barren of a wasteland as the broadcast sports channels are these days so it's hard to hard to grab eyeballs on twitch when it comes yeah for sure and there's enough programming on tv where you know there's now been over easily over 60 programs that have been shown on tv so it's not like there's lacking content there's something on almost every day yeah absolutely and you know speaking of the actual esports you talked a lot about sports sims i'm really interested in looking at the, I guess it's really just two major esports and them trying to plug their events in and how those took place. So E-League Mortal Kombat kind of was off my radar, but 168,000 viewers is really, really good 
for a Mortal Kombat event, for a fighting game event in general, uh, E-League, you know, has a lot of experience broadcasting esports events. They've been doing it for four or five years at this point. Uh, were you surprised to see that event do so well? 168,000 is pretty good. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, and again, they pull in uh, the younger audience as well, 18 to 49. Um, E-League, as you mentioned, has been doing this for several years right now. So they're very experienced at this. They've been putting on uh, multiple different esports and different gaming genres, you know, like fighting genres, like shoot, like the shooter genre, FPSs and, F- and FGC. Um, Mortal Kombat actually does pretty well. Uh, before iRacing took off this year, um, what actually had the record at around 700,000 viewers was a Mortal Kombat tournament on the CW back in 2016. So mm-hmm. fighting action, fighting games actually do pretty well because it's really easy to understand. The graphics are kind of fun to watch, or in this case, you know, they're kind of you know over the over the top, uh, bloody and, and and gory like uh, Mortal Kombat is. But it's easy to understand. Um, but and about one hundred sixty-eight thousand is what E League tends to do uh, in terms of their programming. It's about one hundred fifty plus. Uh, but one thing to note is it's on a Friday night at midnight, so it's not the best time slot. So to pull in that many viewers is pretty good. Is that because of the gore? That's the only like time slot they could throw it on at. Um, no, it just that's the slot. Ely's had the Friday eleven thirty slash. 12 a.m. slot for the last few years. That's the one that T- Turner has basically granted to them, and that's what TBS is, uh, has chosen to do. Um, you know, I wish it was a better slot, but that's you know what they call the graveyard shift because Friday, Friday nights, you know, prior to uh, the times that we're living in, was actually the least watched uh, TV uh, night of the week, and to be on that late. It's pretty much called the graveyard shift, you know, for that reason. So it's not the best time slot, but you know they could put on a, a, a sitcom rerun that'll easily do uh, double or triple that. So to at least have a dedicated slot that Turner's given them for a few years would be pretty helpful. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's helpful context that a random rerun would would kill that and it's important to remember i guess that you know these are massive channels and they have a steady baseline of you know i i can't imagine espn's baseline is much lower than a hundred thousand for almost every event but uh yeah i mean that's a great point i mean like these numbers for you know a million viewers you know for an iRacing event is is great but you know when you look at like a sporting event you know an average thursday night nfl game gets 15 million viewers uh, the nfl and live sports are just a killer viewership machine for tv so traditional sports still dwarf uh esports when it comes to actual ratings yeah and that's always a important context to have and why it was so interesting to see and actually had somebody cite the um, esports has more viewers than the super bowl number to me again <laughs> I thought I thought it was dead. I thought it was gone, but it's apparently not not yet. Um, but yeah, don't don't compare those. And you know, esports can, is very successful. And if you included every single viewership of every single game, <coughs> then yes, sure it is. But you, don't do that. Um, yeah. You can't do that. And, you can't mix the Chinese numbers then either. Right. 
Yeah, that's that's just completely, you know, it's massive in China. That's true. But we don't know how massive. We do, we really just don't know. Yeah. Uh, somebody does. Quite a few people <laughs> do. But, you know, we we will never learn, I don't think. We we that's might right. eventually. Hopefully Ryan will know. Yeah, I'm not I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. So, speaking of esports events, the other one that was kind of a surprise to me and how it underperformed, but I also want to talk about the execution of it was Rocket League. Anybody listening to this podcast knows I love Rocket League. I think it's a massive esport. I think it translates well to the casual viewer straight up. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think it's a really good game. I think it's a unique game. At 95,000 viewers on ESPN2, Sunday at 5 o'clock, is that going up against The Last Dance? Sorry to keep asking that, but uh, Last Dance is... It's a little bit later. Last Dance is on Sunday at 9 and 10 p.m. So was it going against that? And they actually play it on ESPN2 also. The uh, the clean version, the without foul language version on ESPN two, while the regular version plays on ESPN. Right, that makes sense. Your times are in ET, so I'm used to watching the last dance uh, right around five o'clock right. my time over on on the West Coast. Sure, uh, but right, so yeah, that's on pretty late. Not a not a qualifier. It's pretty good time slot, five p.m. Sunday. Uh, you know, the football games that air at that time are viewed absolutely massively. 95,000 viewers. Were you surprised to see the number be that low? Yeah, you know, again, as a baseline number for uh, ESPN2 for a decent time slot for Sunday, 5 p.m., uh, without too much competition, it should have, I should have performed higher. It rocked at least something that's really easy to learn and pick up. The, the format for it, the broadcasting was interesting, how they tried to introduce it to a casual a uh, new audience, so the casting definitely reflected that, um, which I thought was a an interesting move. It's really hard to pull off on TV, uh, so I thought that was an interesting route that they took. Yeah, I I agree, and it's uh, the people in the hardcore Rocket League community absolutely hated the decision, but the broadcast wasn't necessarily made for them, so I didn't look a lot, take a lot of stock in that. But once I saw the viewers. I, the broadcast also didn't seem to translate to the casual viewer they were hoping to bring in. So it's a little little disheartening to see those numbers for sure. Uh, just in that, you know, Rocket League's fairly self-explanatory. You don't really need to know what a flip reset is. You don't it's you don't need to, you know, get know the mechanics of just watching people play the game. Just like if you're watching a casual basketball game, you don't need to know the intricacies of pick and roll to understand what's going on on the screen you just watch and if they score goals you cheer Uh, that's that's all you have to do and so it was interesting that that was the game they chose to really like make the broadcast more accessible for casual viewers totally see that on league of legends overwatch these games that have a ton of moving parts a ton of champions to explain i totally get like dumbing down the broadcast a bit but rocket league that doesn't really feel necessary in my opinion yeah, they didn't have to do it. Um, I felt like it was a bit too much at times uh, for the viewer that's been watching it for a while, and you don't really explain, you know, six points for a touchdown during a football game. Not that it's needed, just because it's been around for 100 years. But you know, I was I was surprised that they went that way because it is so easy uh, to pick up and learn. I mean, it's basically cars playing soccer. It's not that difficult uh, compared to other other esports and other gaming genres like you mentioned speaking of which you know league of legends was on 
uh, broadcast on ESPN2. Um, however, I searched around and I did reach out to both uh, Riot and ESPN. I wasn't able to get a number. Um, but the fact that I wasn't able to get a number or I wasn't able to find it online uh, tells me that the numbers was, wasn't that great, uh, which isn't surprising for something like uh, League of Legends, which is l literally impossible to learn if you just happen to be uh, scrolling by or you know happen to see it uh, on the schedule and you want to watch it. Yeah, it's it, Riot would be promoting those numbers absolutely everywhere if they were really strong. So, yeah, abs absolutely. Yeah, that's not a good sign. And, you know, especially that they didn't release it at all. You know, we're not going to speculate on what they saw. But, you know, given these other numbers, you can imagine it's, you know, probably around that Rocket League event, if not lower. And again, League of Legends, nearly impossible to understand. And, you can watch these games on Twitch and that's where yeah. all the people are going to go first. Yep. So you have to capture the casual channel flipper. Who's maybe has heard of league of legends, but is going to turn it on and be like, what? And then leave. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. The fact that it's broadcast, you know, on Twitch or YouTube, and you know, that's where the hardcore fans have been watching it for years. They aren't going to watch it uh, on, on ESPN and the newbies not going to, not gonna understand it so you know i would be i would be i would be surprised if it did you know six figures in terms of viewership so there's a reason why uh why the numbers aren't on the chart yeah definitely and i still think there is a good opportunity do you have um I can, do you have the e-league rocket league numbers i know i've seen them from you before but do you have those on top of your head or can i go search I, it I don't. Um, I, they're on my website for uh, when E League was broadcasting that. You know, I you know uh, it did it did much higher. Um, e League did had some decent numbers when they were broadcasting Counter Strike uh, regularly, uh, but you know Rocket League did perform uh, better on E League at that terrible time slot uh, that with the ninety five thousand number that you see for ESPN too. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, E-League's a known commodity. That definitely might help, but it is interesting. So looking big picture, you know, this is completely unprecedented amounts of esports on broadcast TV. And for someone that has really been interested in this space for a while, what takeaways do you think we see? We've talked about iRacing, but across the board, what other events do you see staying on broadcast TV post-COVID? Uh, I mean, outside iRacing, which is definitely going to thrive, and we talked about that uh, already, um, it's going to be challenging to see somehow other the sim sports games survive, like uh, the 2Ks of the world um, and the hockeys of the world um, and, and the Maddens of the world. I mean, Maddens had a decent run on TV with their uh, Madden Championship Series, so that's done relatively well. In fact, a couple of years ago, it was the highest rated program for that year when it was broadcast on ESPN2. Um, a very decent amount of viewers during the off season. Um, so I think Madden will do okay. But 2K is going to be very interesting. Will 2K League translate? Um, will it be given a chance on linear TV? Uh, that's still a TBD, and we'll see if there's any rights issues outside of that. But 
Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what comes back. It's not going to come back at this level, but it's given uh, at least people in the content space something to think about that's new to program. Yeah, to me, I, I, I struggle to see how people make this a pillar. You know, this was one of the big things that the Overwatch League wanted to do was, hey, we're going to put broadcasts on ABC. And their World Championship had 500,000 viewers, which would have been uh, the highest event on the past month of broadcasting besides iRacing. And that was pretty good. But even with nobody watching sports, with, with a perfect opportunity for people to be viewing esports content on broadcast, it's hard to be encouraged by these numbers. Again, besides iRacing standing out as a separate event, the rest of the the numbers make it pretty clear to me that hey, this probably is not a pathway. Now, I might be taking a little too much from this date. It's a really weird time right now, but I'm curious your thoughts on it. Do you think this people are seeing this and are like, okay? that is probably just not the move yeah i mean esports doesn't need tv tv needs esports so that's how it's been for you know several years right now and esports has grown up and you know really started in the primordial of digital viewership and that's how people you know watched it you know across various genres no matter what you're into whether it's starcraft 2 back in the day all the way up to what you're seeing where we are today. So it's really grown up in the digital age and you know, for the audience growing up in the digital age that that viewership experience is very native and I don't think that's going to change. So it's never esports is never meant to really survive or really thrive on TV. You're seeing great numbers now. I think again due to it cuz due to lack of of content that's out there, but you know, it's really a programming hole or fix where you want to say, we're going to drive into a new area. We're going to test it out. It's going to drive the younger audience. It may not drive the numbers that we're seeing, but what happens a couple of years out when basically I want to call when we're, what we're going to call TV, everything is digital and the quote unquote linear doesn't live anymore. That's going to be an interesting time to see how well esports does when you have a lot of these OTT platforms like the Vens of the world and the Jinx TVs of the world out there that are looking to do uh, gaming and esports content 24-7. So when TV changes uh, conceptually uh, for or the good, um, we'll see what happens with the numbers then. Right, yeah, it just when TV is people are leaving cable TV constantly it's probably not a great idea for esports to be trying to adapt to fit that and just wait for trends to catch up to where they already are and keep forging ahead in that space. You know, bring in some of the uh, OTT apps that, you know, Twitch already has a pretty good stranglehold. Now you have YouTube. Now you have this competition finally between different platforms for esports offerings. You're seeing media rights deals with 160 million for the Activision Blizzard. And uh, it's, you know, Activision Blizzard doesn't necessarily have to make split that up to teams per se, as as much as that happens in traditional sports. But at least that competition is going to inflate the prices of esports leagues for media rights. So that's a good sign as well. And you know, that's probably the place to focus on as we go forward. These numbers across the board, not great. 
in in my opinion, at least NBA 2K has some things they could take away from here. They haven't really been successful on Twitch, so you know, trying to to capitalize on some of those numbers they saw, bring in some NBA players and do something like the EMLS is doing where it's players and also NBA players, it's uh, NBA 2K League players and also actual players competing together. I think that those events could actually prove quite successful. Although EMLS, again, 34,000 viewers is just abysmal. Yeah. I, you, you keep bringing up uh, the last dance as well. So compare that, right? So across the first four episodes, that was the average of 6 million viewers per episode for each of the four episodes. So it gives you, again, a taste of what linear TV for event viewership is still doing right now in comparison. Yeah, the NFL draft, even though the format was a bit weird, also saw millions upon millions of of viewers. So, yeah, yeah sports it are... Broke the, it broke the viewership record. I actually liked the format. I thought it was interesting. It took away from kind of the repetitive walk up to the stage after your name is called, shake the hand sort of thing. And you got to see... You got to use a little bit more of an intimate look. You got uh, to see the living rooms of all the draft picks and their families. So I thought, and the coaches, you know, have their have their kids on TV. So I thought that was interesting. I think I, I'm for sure would bet on the NFL incorporating some aspect of that going forward in their draft. Yeah, it actually did. the The end product was pretty impressive, given how quickly they had to change things and leave the beautiful Vegas event that was planned with players riding boats. Yeah, you can, this, this draft would not have been nearly as, uh, as boring. The players are supposed to take boats right to the draft stage in, right. in front of the Mandalay Bay in Vegas. So it right. would have been something interesting for sure. Uh, but I think next year is going to be in Indianapolis and then back to Vegas. Yes. They brought it back. I was like, thank you. Cause I was yeah. so, when I moved to Vegas in January, I was like, NFL draft circled hard. Like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to figure out some stories to cover around it. Like, this is going to be great. <laughs> and yeah, that was, that was a bit brutal for sure. But uh, we're happy to have it back coming, coming again soon. Cause nice. you know, they, they, they wanted that boat ride. That would have just yeah. been sweet. The boat ride would have been sweet. I thought it was actually at the lake at the Relasha. It was Mandalay. You might've been right. Okay. You might be right. I think, I think I, I think I just did Mandalay Bay because it's a bay and there was boats. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't remember an actual lake in front of Mandalay. No, that's I, I, I think you're right. I haven't been able to spend much time on the Strip because I moved here and then everything got shut down. So I don't right. even know the casinos in my own city I'm living in very well. I just saw the handle for, it was March for Sportsbook and like just general gaming handle. And, you know, the numbers were down just like crazy. And that's prior to obviously April before the shutdown. So those numbers should be interesting to see year over year. Yeah, the gambling aspect is really interesting because I know some sports folks were looking at, you know, providing lines and that's that's the way to make Rocket League uh really high viewership on broadcast TV is let people bet on it and suddenly <laughs> people are <laughs> Um, I think iRacing betting is, yeah, iRacing betting has been approved by the Nevada Gaming Control Board. It's definitely yeah. something I can see people betting on quickly. iRacing has been approved, and also from a hardcore esports perspective, Call of Duty has been approved. Uh, League of Legends has been approved. Um, yeah, so, a bunch you know, of things. Yeah. ESL got approved. Even Dota 2 got approved, yeah. which I was a little 
I was like, you guys realize how sketchy some of the orgs in Dota 2 are, maybe? Yeah. I mean, match fixing still uh, still goes on within the sport, so something that ECA has a closer look at as these games start to be bet on. Yeah, it, it was really interesting, and just to, to plug my, I wrote an article for Launcher at Washington Post about esports betting and match fixing, uh, about all these topics, and it was interesting to hear some of the casino's perspectives. I talked to the CEO, William Hill. I talked to someone from MGM about their opinions on esports, and they're like, yeah, we won't take more than a couple grand. There's no there's no way on, on an esports bet. We're just not confident enough in the integrity aspect of it even though they are confident enough to put lines out in the first place, it's just, you know, they're not about to start accepting ten, twenty thousand $20,000 bets on any esports competition. Right. Too sketchy. Yeah, I know completely. Like it's, it just, it doesn't make, it, it's, it's way too much of a, the risk reward scenario is too much for them. Really the handle is just, isn't there. Maybe one day increases, we'll see, but um, uh, I'm just not as bullish as some of the numbers I see for, esports betting i see some of the numbers of like it's a multi-billion dollar industry right now and i'm like i don't i question that number when i hear that <laughs> exactly i don't uh i don't see it at all but that's uh that's some of the numbers you see in the reports floating out there which is uh pretty nutty yeah I, i'm hesitant i mean i know it is way further um evolved in Europe, which has a more robust betting culture in general, and uh, we saw a pretty massive fine from. I wonder how much the we saw the League of Legends Rogue Warriors scandal. Uh, player jungler for the Rogue Warriors was uh, accused of match fixing. There were screenshots of him agreeing to fix matches. His team won one and lost one, but Riot came in quick. Uh, so. Suspended him for two years, fined him four hundred and thirty-five thousand uh, dollars, and pretty hefty punishments. But I have to wonder, you know, how much uh, some of the Chinese betting companies are accepting, or where the betting company was there, because that's a pretty hefty fine. And you know, League of Legends Pro League is a big esports competition with pretty solid salaries. I somebody had to make that worth his while, and. So they had to have a book willing to take a pretty massive bet on it as well. Yeah, no, I mean, if the fine is any reflective of what must be uh, placed on 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 that match, must have been it must have been significantly high. I would love to know know what that really what that number really was. Yeah, me too. That'd be super interesting. But it uh, originated in China, so we're never gonna learn. <laughs> exactly. Just didn't even didn't even cross my mind to try and find it when when writing the article. Was, right, uh, you're not gonna where, get where the right number. Start? <laughs> Completely. Well, hey Manny, thank you for joining the podcast. It's great to talk to you. Uh, last word, plug the Next Level Media. It's a great website, and uh, plug your Twitter account, which is one of my favorite follows. Oh no, thanks so much. It was great being on. It was great chatting as always. Uh, the best place to reach me is Twitter, Manny Onicle, and the website is nextleveltnl.media, where when I'm up to it, write about the business of esports when I get a chance. And But really, Twitter is the best place to uh, reach me, and uh, you can see me uh, pontificating on the nature of the business out there. So, uh, Mitch, thanks again. I really appreciate it.
Yeah, thank you for coming on. It's always great talking to you. Follow him on Twitter. You get to see these really interesting broadcast stats, and then we can overreact to it on this podcast and be like, this is it. It's done on broadcast TV. At least I can overreact. (laughs) Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, man. It was great talking to you. Next podcast coming up this week, we are talking to somebody from The Score. So be on the lookout for that coming out on Friday.